Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. Today is Friday, March 27th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by a very special guest today and excited to have him jump in. He's a, a fantastic contributor to DFS Coach Talk, and uh, to be honest, I don't believe I would have gotten this off the ground without him. So, uh, that you know that can't I can't give much better of a compliment than that, my man. And it is our director of operations here at DFS Coach Talk, Mr. Layton Wilson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Coach. Uh, I actually got the window open here in my apartment. Uh, we're getting some good weather here in the Midwest right now, so enjoying yeah. it. Very nice. We're, you know, uh, I know you're still working through this lockdown time, so it's not as bad of an you know much of an adjustment for you so that's that's not too bad i a lot of us just getting locked down this long it's just driving me nuts it's crazy yeah yeah for sure i mean like i said like you said it's not much of a change for me uh pretty much still consistently do what i what i've been doing but i mean i guess that's a perk of a smaller town but uh you know like we talked before it's starting to reach out to different places but you know, we're just staying positive here and doing what we can do, and you know, that's really all we can ask. That's it. And uh, you know, it was it was awesome because Leighton and I got to know each other just through uh, when I was doing podcasts for Hoopball, and he was uh, one of the listeners and had a few questions. We started chit-chatting and uh, just got to know each other and talk sports and such. And then, you know, the Kobe thing hit, and you know, we started talking and saying, you know, why? Are we talking about all this and not going for it? So, uh, you know, uh, the very first discussions we had uh, about it were like, okay, let's let's rock with this. Let's go find a logo. Leighton went out and got our logo, which turned out to be really cool. And uh, you know, now it's uh, it's up and flying. So it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really uh, thankful that our paths crossed ways and and that uh, we we get to watch this thing grow and be something special so it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's great having you on Leighton's a big sports guy you know real big into uh, basketball of course and baseball as well so he'll be doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff as always uh, and certainly you know he's the guy to get everything done and uh, he'll be doing some podcasts and uh, may even do some spot lineups and things like that because uh you know, he's just he's that utility guy that that you need on every team that can plug every single hole in the company. So uh, awesome to have you aboard, man. It really is. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of fun over here and uh, it's just super enjoyable. You know, we have an awesome team. Everybody pitches in and it gets what we need done. And then obviously our members are very important to us. And, you know, like you've spoke on before, we have a great group uh, of members that have, you know, joined us within, you know, obviously the first three weeks of us uh, starting this. So, you know, that's a blessing for sure. It is. And, you know, you can join in. Uh, we're at DFSCoachTalk.com. If you go in there, you can join as a member. We have a, a week, a month or a year long membership, but certainly can just uh, jump in with the week long. And all of our memberships are frozen. We froze them the very first night. Uh, you know, I was actually on the phone with Leighton, and we were watching as they were canceling the Utah game, and then the news came out about Gobert, and it was like, boom, that's it. And so we just froze everybody's memberships, which we will continue to do until basketball uh, and or baseball start, uh, and then we'll start the clocks again on the membership. So if you come in and join, even with a week membership, uh, you you know, get everything we have to offer. We're in Discord. We're providing lineups uh, in football for these simulation, simulations. Uh, we're having a, a coaches challenge contest with our NBA uh, uh, players, and it's a blast. We're having a lot of fun. I've had so much fun talking trash, uh, being in the lead and then blowing the lead. It's getting a little old, but, uh, you know, that's what I get for talking noise, but I'll never learn. Um, so, you know, you can join that, get in our Discord. We've got seven great pros 
uh, that we're covering football, basketball, and baseball. We want to focus on those three and just be the best in the industry at those three. We're the only provider that provides complete lineups for both uh, DraftKings and FanDuel. And we follow a really good process, and we do it consistently. Uh, If you haven't listened to the podcast this last week, I would recommend going back, checking some of those out. You can pull them up on YouTube. We really spent the week doing uh, a real deep dive into our process, you know, what we look at, what websites we go to, how we prepare, what we look for, you know, what gives us that edge, how do we build the lineups, all the way down the line, everything even from bankroll management, uh, contest selection, which is so important, the difference in the sites. Uh, we went over uh, not just DraftKings and Fandle, but we touched on Fantasy Draft and Yahoo as well. So it gives you a full just look at the entire picture. And, you know, whether you come with this at DFS Coach Talk or not, you know, we committed to each other a long time ago. I, I did start these podcasts with Micah Patry and Andrew. And then now with DFS Coach and, and you know, the other great team members that have joined us, joined us including Leighton, we're going to do a seven-day-a-week uh, free uh, podcast in front of the paywall wall. And we'll do that forever. Uh, it, I just feel that that's where, you know, that's needed in the in the industry. And we're not trying to sell you on it or, you know, anything like that. If you want to join, great. If you just want to check us out each day on the podcast, that's great, too. Uh, but we have a lot of fun in the Discord, a lot of great uh, chirp, and especially in this time uh, when, you know, everybody's sort of locked down. So it's uh, it's been fantastic. We can't wait to grow on it and just let it keep, you know, the members growing and, and more talk and more sharing information. That's how we expect to win. We're all rocking the DFS Coach Talk logo badge that Leighton uh, put together for us uh, through one of his contacts. And uh, it's fantastic. And you can catch us seven days a week on these podcasts uh, anywhere podcasts are found. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, uh, you name it. You're going to find us there, and, and YouTube as well. Uh, they're saved on YouTube uh, from the very first one. So, uh, you know, all we ask is you give us a quick thumbs up, five stars, give us a like, you know, just anything you can to get us up that chart. So we're, we're uh, had two weeks in a row now with Google Play. We've been in the top 170 podcasts, and that's a big accomplishment. We're really excited about that, and we want to uh, crack that top 100. So hopefully by the time we get back to sports, uh, you know, we'll be back in there, and everybody will be ready to rock and roll. So what we're doing now is we, we've done, gone two days so far. Uh, this is the third day. We're going to go through two teams every day in the NBA and just do a really deep dive. And when we say that, we want to prepare. We're using this time uh, to prepare for when sports comes back. Yes, we're doing some fun things in the Discord with simulation contests and fun stuff as a distraction, and that's great. But our focus, our podcasts, and what we're really working on is preparation to just be dominant when we come back. And we're doing that by, you know, really spending time going through all the, the strategy and then spending uh, each podcast for the for 15 days straight, this is day three, where we're going over two NBA teams. We're looking at them, where they are now, what we expect when they come back. Are injuries going to affect things? Statistical, are they going to be playing for a playoff spot or not? And we're, we're just working our way up the standings. Uh, tonight, uh, we're doing the Chicago Bulls and the Charlotte Hornets. And those are the two teams we'll take a deep dive on. I drew the short stick and got the Hornets, and my man Leighton here has uh, the up-and-coming, I think, down the road Chicago Bulls. So uh, with with that being said, my man, why don't you jump in with the Bulls? And the way we're doing this is just conversational. Uh, Leighton's done some preparation with the Bulls stuff, go over some interesting stats, and we'll chit-chat about that. Please remember, though, too, if a question comes up, uh, you know, of course, we we uh, 
record these podcasts. We're not doing them live at this point, which is something else that's coming down the road. But send us questions on Twitter. You can catch us uh, anytime. Uh, Leighton, why don't you give them your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at DFS underscore Leighton. That's DFS underscore L-A-Y-T-O-N. And, and I'm at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. And you can always just catch us at DFS Coach Talk. We, uh, all of our pros have access to that. And any questions you bring aboard, if it's a team we went over already, we'll answer that directly. If you want to DM us, that's fine. We can answer right on the DFS Coach Talk uh, Twitter. Or uh, if it's something of a team coming up that we can include in, uh, we'll be happy to do that. All right, man, uh, let's let's hit the Chicago Bulls a little bit. And this, by the way, isn't the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen Bulls. Did I tell you that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a little known fact, actually, I think now. <laughs> so what do uh, you got, man? Why do we want to play or not play the Bulls when they come back? Oh, well, like, you know, we said uh, we were going to dive into this to kind of get a look at, you know, who we should play and then. Obviously, you know, where that team is sitting overall. So uh, here I got their record at 22 and 43, which, again, is, you know, does not look very promising this season. Uh, it puts them at 11th in the East, um, yeah. I believe 30 some games behind. Uh, so I, I believe that'd be first place. So obviously they're not in playoff contention. Uh, you know, that one wasn't going to be a thing whether this this season was going on still right now or you know even when it gets back here hopefully you know sooner than later um yeah. so that's not really something we have to worry about but again um you know just listening to you and andrew talk uh i still believe that the bulls uh you know kind of being you know not in the greatest spot for for a big draft pick i think they'll still you know finish out the season strong and they have a lot of young promising guys that you know even if they were even if they were to play, you know, those young guys a lot more minutes, you know, I think they could still win games and, and close out the season. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, they're, that's the nice part for them is, like you say, they're, they're not going to be in any type of playoff crunch. Even if they played all 15 or 16 remaining games, they're, they're too far behind the Magic in that eighth spot. But they do have young talent, and, you know, they'll be playing loosey-goosey when they come back. They they're not a team I'd want to play if I was in a playoff hunt because I think they're dangerous. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, like you said, you know, they're sitting all cooped up and, and you know, they consist of a lot of young guys that are probably just chomping at the bit to, to get back on the court. Uh, you know, you made that point uh, the other day when, you know, a lot of these guys probably uh, haven't had a hiatus like this from, you know, being on a court since – Never, <laughs> yeah, never, or you know, yeah. little bitty. I mean, so yeah, and I mean, anybody with a competitive mindset or that's been involved with sports, uh, you know, you know, it's you know, it's rough because you know, you're not, you got to find some way, some way to feed that uh, that competitive mindset of yours, and you know, it's hard when you know these guys do this for a living and and they're not even allowed to do that. But I mean, I guess we can we can say the same for a lot of people uh, that have been affected by this, but. Uh, it is, yeah, it's I mean, a, it's like, a huge adjustment. But let me ask you a question before you get started, because this is a debate that Andrew and I had a little bit the other day. And I know uh, Santino and uh, Michael touched on a little bit in yesterday's show with the Knicks and Pistons. Uh, it's, you know, where is the advantage in your opinion? Because I've, I've heard both sides and I've heard good, good reasoning for both sides. But with a long, crazy, insane hiatus like this, that's never happened in the history of the world. So no one's experienced this in basketball. Who does it favor? Are the are the older guys, the veterans that understand their bodies better, know what's going on? Can they adjust quicker and will they be more rested? Or do you think the advantage is with the young guys who, man, you know, let's face it, these 19, 20 year olds, they don't even have to stretch. They just run out there and start dunking the ball. So who do you think it favors more? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I I, I think it easily can go, you know, either way. But um, like you said, I think probably the vets because they probably are, uh, I wouldn't say smarter, but they're probably you know more prepared and trying to keep their keep their bodies in shape and stay in, within that competitive mindset. And you know, as anybody knows, when you're younger, you know, you don't. 
you don't think about those kind of things and they're probably you know just having a fun time with it and doing what they can and uh i mean like like anybody i mean it's a tough time and uh you know i mean what are you gonna do so like that that's the big thing for me i guess that you know like you said no one's ever encountered this but uh yeah i would say the vets I, I think so, too. I, I lean towards that side. Now, I'm sure it'll be case by case, but I think overall, when they initially first come back, I'm with you. I'm going to give a little advantage. You know, if it's between a, a Jeremy Grant and a Paul Millsap, for example, I'm going to go with Millsap because I think that veteran guy, like you said, he's he's been through the rigors. He knows his body better. You know, there is something to be said when you're a little older, getting a rest respite like this to get everything re, revi- uh, revived, whereas when you're young, you don't need that. And I, I just think the savviness of being uh, a vet will pay off. So I'm with you. I, I'm going to give that a slight edge, and, and we'll see. That'll be a new narrative that hopefully we never have to entertain again, but uh, you never know. I did hear Dr. Fauci say uh, on a news conference today that uh, – this could be a seasonal flu. So we better get the damn vaccine ready pretty quick because we don't want to go through this damn thing again. So that's that takes care of that. All right, I'm sorry. I won't interrupt you. Hit your bulls, man. Oh, that's, that's all right. Uh, yeah, but like we were talking, I mean, we're talking about a good young core that this Bulls team have. I mean, you're you're talking guys like Zach Levine, Kobe White, Lori Markinen, Wendell Carter. I mean, I mean, that's just four of them. And uh you know, when you when you dive into their team and, and just even look, I mean, I can read you down the list. I mean, it's 26, 25, 31. Thaddeus Young is the oldest Bulls, Bulls player that they have. I mean, you're talking 28, 27, 26, 20, 22, 20. I mean, it's it's absolutely nice. crazy how young this team is. It's good to be a Bulls fan. And, and plus, they have a pick coming this year, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they and, and not only that, but, you know, to – Another big thing, you know, to build a team is to make a splash in free agency. And and really, I mean, they have some good cap space to, to attack free agency next year. And then, you know, I mean, with that pick, I mean, depending on who they get and, you know, what they do, you know, who's to say that they don't trade, a, you know, a couple of these uh, young, talented guys and, and go for a bigger free agent. Yeah, I, there was a lot of murmurs because they had Sadoransky and Dunn and you could tell Kobe White was just chomping at the bit. They had to let him play. So I know there was a lot of talk about trading possibly one of those two guys, specifically Dunn, and then Dunn got hurt. And so that took that out of the mix. But, uh, you know, I, I I would think one of those guys is probably going to go. And it's certainly not going to be Kobe White. I think he's a big part of their future. But I'm with you. I think uh, just having a Chris Dunn or a Tom, Thomas Sadoransky to – as trade bait could bring you bring it back somebody that that will mix in real well and they did add you know a few guys you know porter was hurt he hardly played this season so he's a, a strong player and and they've got a couple other thad young and you know they're they have enough mixture i think of of uh veterans they just need one or two pieces and i think they're a playoff team for sure oh yeah for sure you know in the east uh the playoff race is pretty tight this year, and I think, you know, the East has kind of been like that at least for the last five to ten years where it's kind of anybody's ball game. They always have a real tight playoff race, and, you know, like you said, with the, with the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics, I mean, it's kind of anybody's ball game just depending on who shows up and obviously, you know, what kind of series we have, whether it's a five game or seven game. I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch to, you know, maybe pick which, which team would, well, you know, would excel at a smaller uh, size or, or just the regular seven game. So, I mean, who knows with that, but uh, I mean, like you were talking coach with, with Chris Dunn, uh, I was looking at the contracts here and Chris Dunn is actually a free agent after this year. So that kind of takes oh. care of their, uh, of their depth, you know, they're at point guard. Uh, yeah. Obviously that's not trade bait or anything like that, but yeah, when I was looking at this, I mean, it's, it's crazy. First of all, I did not know, Otto Porter is getting paid $28 million a year. I know. It's it's yeah. crazy money. I know it. Yeah. I, I believe I, that came from, from the Wizards. Yeah, it did. 
Yeah, they ought, they put an offer sheet out, and the Wizards as bad as they wanted them. They were like, no, that's that's crazy money, and it that's pretty high for him. Oh yeah, and like you said, I mean he's been hurt most of the year, so I mean that definitely hurts your pockets when when you're paying a price like that and not not getting much out of it. But I mean, like you said, you know he's still mid twenties, um, and he's had you know promising times at a with the Wizards. Even you know there was a couple oh, yeah. of years where he looked very solid and. And that's definitely what you want. And I, I think that's what the, you know, the Bulls organization is kind of pulling for is, you know, a 9, 10, 11 man rotation where they have plenty of depth and plenty of youth. And it's just, like I said, I mean, they have Levine locked through 20, the 21, 22 season. Uh, also young and Saturansky. Um, Kobe White. Uh, of course, there's a couple uh, yeah, couple years on where that there's a team deal. option. But, yeah, yeah, he's on a rookie deal. So you're talking about Kobe White only at $5 million a year and for the Carter's next four years. Either. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, Carter's about the same, about the same rookie deal. Yeah. And even Markinen's on, you know, the the, light, the later stretch of his with a couple years left. But, I mean, you're, you're that's a good young core to have. And, you know, we haven't really even got to see, you know, guys like Markinen and, and – you know, marking in a couple of years ago, we got to see him a little bit. But, uh, you know, like Wendell Carter, you know, he was dominant in uh, college. And, and we really haven't got to see him excel at the pro level just just simply because of injuries, which is obviously, you know, yeah. something that truly worries you uh, early in someone's career. But, you know, that's also the good thing about being younger. You can usually bounce back from those and and you yeah. just got to learn how your body works and go from there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's when I was starting to look into this, I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy that they have this much depth and, you know, that young of guys. And you're talking about, um, and me and you have talked, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, like I said, those two combinations right there are, are deadly. And, and, you know, I feel like that's definitely in the works of making a great team. And then you have guys like, uh, Luke Cornett, you know, he filled in this year, um, he hasn't done a bad job. I think he'd be a lot better, uh, you know, as like seventh, eighth guy, uh, you know, someone coming off the bench. But uh, Chandler Hutchinson, you know, with all these injuries, uh-huh. he stepped in this year. And uh, from a DFS standpoint, you know, he was pretty solid. But then uh, he's one of those guys, you know, with the with the uh, eye test, when you watch him, I mean, Oof. he plays hard. He's yeah, always he had a around. couple of games where he looked like a, a, a star. I mean, there's. I think the potential there is terrific, and that's the guy that people really don't talk about. But again, you know, it's it's hard to imagine these guys that young, 2021, and they're just constantly hurt. I mean, how are you constantly hurt at that age? That is definitely a worry. But hey, Joel Embiid, look at how much time he missed at the beginning of his career, and look how he's turned out. So, you know, it's not to say that a Hutchison can't and a Carter can't. I'll come back from that kind of stuff. But I agree with you. The eye test on Hutchison, man, he's he's an athletic kid that plays both ends of the court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's already proven. I mean, you know, in this day and age, I mean, for the most part, you have to be able to shoot the three ball. And, and he's proven to be able to do, you know, both driving and shooting on the offensive end. And then, you know, he's he, I, in my mind, he's a a B, a B uh, defender. Uh, yeah. He does a great job. And. You know, small four can be a rough position to uh, handle with all the talent out there, and uh, he does a good job of it. But I'm, like I said, the all, I can sit here and talk all day about how young they are. But I mean, you're obviously looking at with a couple, you know, pieces being moved. I mean, you're looking at a starting five of Kobe White, Zach Levine, Chandler Hutchinson, Lori Markinen, and Wendell Carter. I mean, that's an average of you know 24 years old. I mean, that is crazy. And it's good, and that's not the, even the high-priced guys in there, Porter and Young and all those guys. So, yeah, that's a that's a nice deep team if they're healthy. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, uh, it's it's crazy to me. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and step over to uh, you know kind of their season uh, stats for them. Sure. Um, now their offensive rating is something that kind of surprised me. And is kind of worrying at the same time. Uh, they are actually second to last in the league in offensive efficiency. Yeah, that's that is surprising with some of that talent. But again, it like you said, when it's young and inexperienced and a rotation of guys injured all the time, and you know you can't get any rhythm with a group. 
I mean, it's understandable, but that that's why the coach is feeling a little heat there too. They were expected to be a little bit better this year. So, yeah, that is disappointing. Yeah, and I feel like that goes with a little bit of the play calling too. I, I feel like guys like when you have athletic guys like Kobe White and Hutchinson and, and guys like that, you know, the games that I've watched this year for the Bulls, when they were running the floor, I mean, they looked awesome. But, uh, you know, I think they're actually a team that would benefit more from a higher pace just because, you know, you get those athletic guys out there running around, sprinting the floor, and, you know, usually that, that affects both sides of the floor in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that that would be a, a smart move for them for sure. But, you know, Jim Boylan is is an old school coach. You know, he's a, uh, you know, motivator and he's a yeller, but he is more of an old school where he wants to not have a ton of turnovers and, you know, run some stuff. And so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's not the right coach for that team, you know? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I guess uh... – you know, being a young younger players uh, or having a lot a lot of young players, you know, they're going to learn the system and you know see how they can you know be most effective in that system. So I mean, if it's a matter of uh, you know a year or two and you still are in the bottom uh, bottom tier of offense, I mean, obviously that's not going to work in today's NBA. So it might be a, a system change that they need, but uh, I guess we'll see as you know this team progresses and. No, I believe, too, you know, with that uh, that many young guys, uh, chemistry can still be an issue just because, you know, a lot of guys in the NBA play with, you know, the same core group of guys for two, three years before, you know, they really take off. So, you know, with being young like that, you know, I can I can imagine that if they have a little bit more time together, then we'll actually really get to see what this what this team is made of. There's no doubt. I don't think they had a 10-game stretch, to be honest with you, where, you know, I know they didn't. With Kobe White starting where Markkinen was healthy or Carter was healthy or Porter was healthy, or they had, I, I guarantee you they did not have a 10-game stretch through this 22-43 and 43 season where they could put those five guys that you mentioned out there as their starting group and, and create a good uh, rotation off the bench. So, I'm with you, man. I, I'm all in. I'm all up on the Bulls. That would be one of my off-season Vegas bets for the over and wins. I think. I do think they're really going to improve. Uh, no doubt about it. What other good stats you got for us? Uh, if we move over to defensive efficiency, uh, they are actually in the middle of the pack. They are tied for 12th with the Denver Nuggets, which is you know pretty yeah. good company when you're talking defense. So well, that's uh, boy, that's boiling system, man. He's He's going to insist on the defensive side. Plus, because their pace is slow and they yeah. don't turn it over much, it, it, it helps your defensive efficiency because you're not giving up fast break points. So that's part of his system again. But I still am not convinced that that's the right system for this team. But I, I you know, as long as Boylan's there, they'll probably be a top 10, 15 defensive team at worst. Yeah, and like you said, I guess that's really the only downfall of a uh, defensive efficiency is that, you know, unless you're watching the games, you can't really tell if they are, you know, a complete defensive team because, like right. you said, with that pace, when you slow it down, I mean, that's just cutting out possessions. And who's to say that they're still not scoring, you know, on a, right. on several of those possessions? But like I said, they have a lot of uh, athletic guys out there, and that is definitely, you know, a plus on defense and. And again, they're young, so a lot of these younger players have to learn how to, you know, a lot of people talk about how the NBA doesn't have defense. Well, they don't truly watch the NBA then because, no. you know, there's a lot of talented defensive players out there and they are phenomenal to watch. And like I said, I guess, uh, you know, with age, obviously they're, they're going to get more and more, uh, you know, comfortable with their game and how they can play and, and how they can be more efficient. And, and really, like I said, I mean, we can talk about that all day. You know, I'm a big Kobe White fan. Uh, yeah. I was kind of sniffing him out uh, on the DFS side of things before he started getting on that little hot streak. But, I mean, you know, we talked about that before, Coach. He He's a fun guy to watch. He is he, he is, is not scared of anything. Oh, he'll, he'll shoot the ball pretty much almost all the time. So with him and Levine out there uh, – not want to be a big man calling for the ball because you ain't gonna get it <laughs> yeah and that i mean that's that's another thing you know that i was gonna touch on is 
with you know, you know when they went and got Levine, he's one of those guys that uh you know you you want taking the shots, you want uh running the running the offense and stuff like that. And and with Levine, I mean, let's not forget about him. He's a very talented player also. Awesome. But uh yeah. You know, yeah. if 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 you watch him and like I said, he's still mid 20s, so he has a little bit time to grow. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, if you watch him, he still has his really inconsistent games where I mean, he'll just disappear completely. I mean, he won't he won't be involved with the offense. He just kind of stands around and you know, and I, and I don't take him for a lazy guy or or a bad attitude or anything like that. I just think it's a matter of uh you know, he really has to and maybe again, you touch back on the system. Maybe it's a system and he's not, you know, hasn't been completely comfortable in it, but I mean, I he's know, definitely though, talented man. offensively. The knock on him in Minnesota before he went to Chicago was the same thing. Exactly what you just said. He can throw up 50 in a game when he's playing his tail off, and then the next game you'll have an 8- or 10-minute run where he's just not even doing anything. He's just floating around the court, and he's not very strong defensively. So, you know, that's the only issue I would have with Levine there. So that, you know, that's something that I think, let's you know, let's face it, some guys are better defensively, some aren't, but the bottom line is uh, – that you know, if if uh, you give the effort, you can be at least a decent defender. So there's no excuse in that whatsoever. But we'll see how that develops. You know, again, that's Boylan's job. Or if he can't get it done, I'm sure they'll bring uh, somebody in the can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, to to wrap it up here with the Bulls, coach. I mean, kind of something we've already touched on, but I mean. I was looking more of a future wise and like, you know, like I said, we touched on it, but I really think they need to be smart in the draft. And, you know, obviously they're a a good defensive team. um, And like, you know, that might just fit in the system, but again, uh, you know, maybe go out and, and attack, you know, and get somebody that's a offensive stud out of the draft or, or, you know, in a free agency. That's, I, I believe that's the main two keys for, for them to attack to really get this team over the hump and start getting them going. And, and uh, I truly believe, you know, if they make a couple good moves that, you know, we can, we can see the bulls in the, in the playoffs for years to come. I agree with you, man. And, and I'll tell you what the bulls, uh, you know, the takeaway really as, as Layton uh, went over that stuff as well is I think the bulls uh, have to stay on your radar. If, if uh, we come back from this hiatus and Andrew and I sort of have broken this down multiple times. We think that the teams will all get about 10 regular season games. They'll probably shorten like six games or so off of what's remaining just to try to get the playoffs started in a time, timely enough fashion that they can you know, get done with them uh, before Christmas for crying out. So um, in doing that, I think the Bulls are a good team to target. I think you're going to see – a lot of guys coming back, back that were out hurt, like Markinen was for a while, Porter was for a while, all those guys. I think you're going to get to see uh, a better Bulls product with Kobe and, and, and Levine and all those guys. And uh, that's one of the teams that I'd, I'd highlight. I wouldn't put a huge circle around them, but I'd highlight them as a team to watch uh, and, and play and roster some guys when they come back, which gives me the lead in to the team that I have tonight, which is the Charlotte Hornets. And I've, I've concluded after preparing for this tonight, and I'll, I'll go on record saying this, I think the Charlotte Hornets are the worst def, uh, DFS team in the league for the remainder of this season. And I'm going to explain why in, in a couple of different reasons, statistically and from the eye test. Now, if you look at the worst teams in the league, and I'll just brush on this real quickly. You know, you have Cleveland with those young guards. There's some things going on there that they're going to get better. Atlanta, certainly, with the Youngs and Collins and everything else. The only other team that's on the same level to me as the Hornets right now are the Pistons because they have a lot of junky guys. They're not going anywhere. But, you know, even with the Knicks, you're going to get your Russells and you're going to get your, uh, you know, uh, Elf on the Shelves and guys like that. And when you look at the other teams, Golden State now has Curry back. You're going to get something from Pascal. Minnesota, with, you know, with D'Angelo and Cat coming back and Booker and Aiton and Phoenix. And, 
the Spurs with LaMarcus and, and DeRozan. So all of those teams with similar or poorer records, to me, if you look at the Pistons, and and the guys did a great job yesterday talking about the Pistons, really the Pistons and Hornets are 1-2 or 2-1, however you want to put it, and dead last to me. And here's why. They're 23-42, and 42, which is 10th, and they're not going to make the playoffs. They're eight games behind Orlando, and there's not enough games to make up. But here's the thing. There's a lot of statistics here that say don't play me in DFS. And I'm talking about everybody, Devontae, Rogier, uh, PJ, all of the guys. First of all, pace, last, 30th, dead last. You got a young team with young guards, and they're dead last in pace. I mean, that right alone tells you, you know, giant red flag. You know, don't play Miles Bridges. Don't play these guys unless it's a perfect matchup. So the pace, worst in the league. Defensive efficiency, they don't defend either. They're 24th in the league. So not only are they not going to get a lot of transitional layups off steals and things like that, defensively, they're just not getting it done. And then here's a fascinating stat, Leighton. You're not going to believe this. Take a wild guess, and this is putting you on the spot. But, you know, I look at usage all the time and the percentage usage of that player with his team. And the, the highest usage guy for the Charlotte Hornets, as you would expect, is Devontae Graham. Guess where he lands in the top 100? Top 100 in usage? In usage from the whole league. So, you know, you got Harden, one, and all those guys. But, uh, like, what would I, you guess? So this I'd is the best say, player on their whole team, and there's only 30 teams. Um, I'm going to say 86. Well, that's almost 47th, which is, <laughs> which is bad. So it was a trick question. But my point is, he's, 20, he's 47th. So the best guy on their team who's supposed to carry the load and has the highest salary is only 24.8% usage. He's, he's, you know, down there, he's below Dylan Brooks. You know, he's below Malcolm Brogdon. He's below Montrez Harrell. So he's, so that's the best player on the team. Do you want to spend, you know, the 8,300 or whatever it costs for Graham to, to roster him? I, I'm not too thrilled with that idea because, first of all, you know the pace is down, so the possessions are going to be down. Their defense is lousy, so there's not going to be a lot of easy DFS points to be had. And then, you know, you talk 47th is your top guy. Then you go to the second guy, uh, which is Terry Rozier, and he's he's way down the list. He is sitting at – where is he at here? He's all the way down to 23.7, so he's, you know, not that much further behind, but he's still way down there. I mean, he is not uh, a guy that you want to roster that's not that cheap either anymore. If you look at Rogier's price, it is, it is uh, regularly uh, come up. And then you dig down and you think, okay, well, who's going to be in there now? Is it the rookie, P.J. Washington? Is the next usage guy must be, you know, at least uh, – you know, one of the, the better players that, that are, you know, Monk off the bench or somebody. We know Monk's out. You know, he got suspended. But would you believe it's Cody Zeller? He is the third highest usage guy on the Charlotte Hornets, and he doesn't even start all the time in center at 23.1. So I haven't seen any other team in the league other than the Pistons at this point that has absolutely no firepower. If you look at those three guys, you got three guys from 47 to 90 out of the entire league of nine, you know, of 30 teams and 90 players. Those three guys are just not seeing usage, and it doesn't look like there's any usage bump coming. I know Monk is out, but it's just it, it's just disappointing statistics across the board for them, and just doesn't point to anything. And if you look at their their numbers from a DFS standpoint. You know, you look at Devontae Graham, he's played uh, 63 games, but his efficiency isn't good. Uh, I'll give you another quiz question to keep putting you under pressure. What do you think Devontae Graham is shooting from the field, his field goal percentage this year? Field goal, I'm going to say 39. Good guess. 38. So you've got a sub 40% from the field 
not from three, from the field uh, shooter as your best score. So that another red flag, you know, and then, you know, you, you look across the board. There are a few games that Graham, Rogier, Bridges and P.J. Washington and very occasionally Cody Zeller will put games up that are OK. But I don't I just am not going to target any of these guys. One of the lessons I'm going to learn from these 15 days of us going over the teams is the Hornets are not a team to focus on. And the very first day we started doing this, uh, Andrew and I did Cleveland and Atlanta. And you would think, okay, those are the two worst teams. Guess what? We have both of those teams circled because you have a lot of young guys that are going to just show out with nothing to lose in these games coming up uh, and, and, you know, are very, very rosterable. Everybody wants to roster young and, and uh, Collins and, and believe me, Sexton is an underrated guy, too, and, and Garland and Porter. I mean, there's a lot of guys there that you can see upside with, but I just don't see it with Charlotte. I mean, I, I think it's wonderful that Graham's been such a fantastic story. Uh, I mean, we have our one fantasy year-long league where we don't draft very deep at all. And do you know that Devontae Graham wasn't even picked? He was a free agent the first week. So how how crazy is it that you got a guy ranked that low? He could barely sniff the court last year, and he ends up being the best player on the team. That sort of wraps it in a nutshell. So, yes, he's done a great job. He's overplayed what anybody thought he would do right out of the shoot. So I give him a lot of credit for that. But that doesn't make him a really strong DFS player. And Rogier's been super inconsistent. I was one of the guys super high on Rogier. I thought – he just needed a place to go and just play and be the man because he was a backup in, in Boston. He, he did not get big minutes, but he showed in those stretches in the playoffs that he was a stud. So I thought he'd go to Charlotte, take over the team and get it done. And uh, he has not done that. You know, he it's Devontae Graham's team. He has played the second fiddle to him. And, you know, if you look at Rozier's stats, you know, 18 points a game is pretty darn good. I'll, I'll give him that. But all the other ancillary numbers that you need in, in DFS have not been that fantastic. Four rebounds, four assists, one steal, no blocks to, to be said, and two and a half turnovers. And, you know, there are games where he does disappear out there. Uh, you know, that that's very, uh, you know, stretches of games where he's just not taking over i think he just is giving it to graham and, and and happy to be the second guy which i thought he was more of an alpha guy alpha dog than that so uh, you know there's another guy miles bridges how many times have we talked about him uh, and rostering him late and we always he's always cheap enough that you think man should we put this guy in there or not you know yeah i mean uh I'm actually a pretty big fan of Miles Bridges, but uh, that's simply again with the eye test. I just like how he plays, and he and he is always playing hard. But you know, from a DFS perspective, yeah, he needs he needs to be cheap. Uh, kind of the way I guess I I was I have been looking at Charlotte for most of the year is they're the you know the last one or two uh, spots you need if they fill in and it's the right fit. You know, yeah. that's what that's what I go with Charlotte. I mean, when you when you look at uh, Devontae Graham and, you know, his big DFS games like you like uh, you were talking about, uh, he's shooting, you know, 38 percent from the field, you know, 38 yeah. percent from three. I mean, then we're talking, but 38 percent right. from the field, not very great. So, I yeah, I mean, usually, usually his uh, his big DFS games have been simply because he just has, you know, a game every now and then where he just shoots unconscious and he's you know, takes 20 shots and it's yep. seven from 10 from three. And, you know, that's, and, been and, that, and that's my point. He's their best player. And there's a guy that we're talking about is maybe the last guy into our lineup. And, you know, he's not that cheap either. So that's something to be concerned about, but you know, miles bridges, I was high as anything on him, man. He's the way that guy dunks is just insane. I mean, he can fly and watching watching him at Michigan state and then uh, my son and I watched him a lot in the summer league. And, you know, you get to be real close up there. So we're like 30 feet away from, you know, these tomahawk dunks. And, you know, you just think this guy's going to be fantastic. But he just he doesn't seem to put he hasn't been able to put the whole game together. And it's it's odd because, you know, a dunker that can finish at the rim like him, 
He's only 42% from the field. A guy like that needs to be like 50% from the field. He really does. And then he's he's only 33% from the three-point line. And that's, you know, that is not going to get it done, dude. I mean, you cannot shoot the ball. If you're going to take that many, and he's taken quite a few. Uh, do you know he's 99 for 300 from three-point land, Miles Bridges? Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of noticed that out of this game, you know, just with watching him. And I think it's more of an experiment stage for him or, you know, him trying to get comfortable shooting that because, like you said, watching him at Michigan State, he was just an athletic freak, just driving on everybody, dunking on everybody and, and stuff like that. So I think, you know, when it comes to that standpoint, I think it's more of an experimental stage for him where he's trying to get that, you know, into his repertoire so that, you know, yeah. he has more to offer. Well, I hope he can put the pieces together because he definitely has the athletic ability, but it just has not come together. And maybe part of it's because the team is so bad. I don't know. But I know another darling for quite a while in – DFS circles this year was PJ Washington because he is a slate breaker kind of guy. He had a couple of 50 burgers that put everybody on their ears at a pretty cheap price. But you you watch this guy consistently, dude. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. I'll just tell you right now, I I he lost me if you remember, you know, listening to our podcasts, uh, you know, maybe two weeks before the shutdown. He was in a game that was tied with 28 seconds left. And he had he got like elbowed in the stomach a little bit or something, and he the guy was going to the line to shoot the foul shots, and you could tell it was bothering him just a little bit. But he asked out of the game, and the coach took him out, and he was okay. The trainer walked over and then just walked away. He was okay, but the fact that you'd pull yourself out of a game, a tie game with 28 seconds left, you know, those are the kind of eye test things that I look at. Because I'll tell you what, uh, in a in a rec league game. It's tied with 28 seconds. Unless I'm bleeding all over the floor or somebody drags me off, I'm not coming off the floor. This is a pro, for God's sake. So I, I lost respect in that moment for him, and it explained a lot to me if you look at his statistical numbers. There are just huge pockets of time that he does two things very poorly. He fades just into the you know, woodwork and just – moves in places and sets a few screens. And then secondly, he, he does some uh, horrible fouling. He gets himself in foul trouble. It almost looks like a kind of guy. And I had a few odd guys like this through the years of coaching where when they started getting tired or just didn't feel like pushing, they would reach on purpose to get a foul or two so they get hooked out of the game. And I know yeah. that's a big thing to say. But I don't think they do it on purpose. I almost think it's like a mental thing that that they have to get by. And I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or what it is. But the bottom line is I've seen both of those things happen. And, and for that purpose, for DFS principles, unless it's a perfect matchup against a terrible defensive team and maybe one, you know, Graham or Rogier are out for that game or something, then I see it. But other than that, I have a big red flag next to P.J. Washington. And really, after that, Leighton, there's nobody on this team that I would roster. I don't want Zeller, Monks out, Biombo, Cody Martin, and Kobe Martin, and all the Martins you want, and, you know, uh, Nick Batum, for God's sakes, Willie Hernan Gomez. You know, these guys just, they're just really in a rebuild mode and not a DFS good team but i didn't realize they were this pathetic oh yeah i mean i think uh people kind of fall for that uh the narrative at center there and uh it's not really a smart play at all because you know basically what charlotte does there is you have uh hernan gomez and zeller and biombo and they if split. one of those guys are playing well they usually get you know a little bit bigger minutes and then like you said otherwise yeah, they just split, you know, 18 to 20 minutes, if that, and that's really all yeah, she that's wrote right there. Yeah, that's DFS death sentence. If, you know, you got two, three guys splitting all the minutes. So, you know, you, you lose before you even get out there with some of those guys. So, anyway, I know I've been pretty hard on the Hornets here, but I'm telling you, man, uh, you know, I'm making notes every day. I'm taking this really seriously. I'm going to have a lot of my thoughts 
and uh, hopefully all of the listeners that are listening to us will do the same. And you will have all of our thoughts and strategies together so that, you know, it's going to make it much sim- simpler when they get back and give us a big edge because you can get caught up on it, uh, you know, caught up in it. I mean, yeah, you know, we've seen some some cool things out of Devontae Graham or Rogier or some monster dunks from P.J. Washington or or, uh, you know, uh, Miles Bridges. And, yeah, those can catch your eye and you see the price and think, OK, you know, they're playing. They're just playing Phoenix. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give this guy a roll. But. I'm telling you, the best in the long run, we're not going to get a huge stretch of games from these non-playoff teams. If we get any, there is the potential they could go just right to the playoffs and we don't get to see these guys. But if we do and we get 8, 10, 12, 15 games out of these guys, this is a team to avoid. And I, I think on the other side of the coin, Leighton's team tonight, the Bulls are a team you could you could roster some guys. I think they're going to finish with a push their their young talent will sort of step up and they have they they've got reasons why they haven't gelled because they've had guys out and situations like that whereas the hornets have really put out there what they got and it's not much of anything so that is it my friend do you have anything else you want to add in there about my obviously uh i hope we don't have too many listeners in charlotte because <laughs> i'm gonna get yeah. some twitter stuff saying you know forget you coach or whatever but uh you know i'm just i i gotta call them like i see him what can i say yeah absolutely i mean and like you like you uh touched on i mean again both of these teams and it's kind of a, a going thing with some of these teams at the bottom they're either injury uh injury prone teams or, or young teams. So, I mean, who's to say, you know, if they don't make the right moves that, you know, they'll be contenders in a year or two, but, uh, you know, everybody has that rebuilding stage. Um, you know, you touched on the Warriors and the Cavs, how, you know, they were playing each other back to back to back in, in the, in the finals. And then now they're two of the worst teams in the league. I mean, it just happens like that. It's, you know, good things can only last for so long and then you just got to rebuild. So, uh, well, yeah, I don't I mean, know about the Hornets, dude. Michael Jordan's owned that team for quite some time. Of course, I'm a big Michael fan, but man, they just—they haven't gone anywhere ever. I mean, they just are not good. I, they got a long ways to go. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, that's going to take some—you know—someone seeing that and making changes and and doing what they have to do. But again, you know, I think that comes with being an NBA team. Um, no, you're not going to be successful if you if you can't notice the changes you have to make and yeah. you know the tough choices you have to make along the way. Well, hopefully they can build on it. I, Charlotte's a great city, and uh, it, you know it can be a, a fun basketball environment there. I remember the the days when the Hornets uh, were really tough, and when they you know with Larry Johnson and and all the guys, uh, um, the, the Georgetown Center. Uh, why is it escaping me right now? Who's the Georgetown center that was on that team uh, as well? Um, ended up with the Heat. Alonzo Mourning. Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson. They had, uh, you know, uh, the little dude uh, was also on that team. Uh, who's a little tiny point guard, 5'6"? Not Spud Webb. He was with the Hawks. I'm blanking right now. And I actually Other just heard his name the other day. Hornets. He was awesome, by the way. I mean, he was fantastic. He was he was probably like five eight, something like that. I can't believe I can't think of his name. I am absolutely furious. I, I, I tell you, I'm getting old, man. When I can't remember guys that I followed their whole careers and loved them, uh, I bet you everybody's shouting at their phones and wherever they're listening to us right now, saying his name. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, we can't yeah. hear you. I wish we could. Oh Lord. I don't know. Well, we'll we'll remember that. That'll be something to remember. But they could use him back again, I think. I'll tell you. Muggsy Bogues! There you go. just came to me. All right. (laughs) And I didn't look it up. I dug that out of the the crevices of my rotting brain, I think. But uh, (laughs) Now, Muggsy could play, dude, for a little fella, man. They had some good Hornets teams there for a stretch. uh, But that was a long – you probably were barely born back in those days but oh, i don't think so yeah but i i, I, re- I do remember him i believe he was on space jam 
He uh, was. The movie. Did, yeah. Remember Grandmama? You know, Larry Johnson with this gold tooth from the UNLV. They yeah, did yeah. a bunch of commercials. He was awesome, dude. You talk about a tough, you know, stout guy that could just dunk it and, and kill you. Uh, that was back in the days when you had a you had to have a strong man in there if you were going to survive. But yeah, they were they were fantastic back in the day. So, all yes. right, well we better get on out of here. We're we're stretching long here. Uh, tomorrow, who do we who are the teams tomorrow? Let's see here. Uh, it's starting to get exciting because now. We actually get into the Wizards and the Orlando Magic. So we touch the playoffs for the first time tomorrow with the team that's already pretty much clinched uh, the seventh or eighth spot. It's between Brooklyn and Orlando. They're seven and a half games ahead of anybody, and they're eight and a half games behind six. So it's either going to be the Nets or Magic in that seventh and eighth spot. But we'll get the Wizards and Magic tomorrow. And we'll just keep on working through the Eastern Conference. Then we'll go through the Western Conference with the same kind of study, take the same kind of notes. And, uh, you know, when when we're playing basketball, that first tip, we're going to be prepared. We could almost produce a lineup after these shows just based off these shows once we see the schedule when they're going to pick up from it and just be ready. How, how cool would that be, man? Oh, absolutely. I think I think we could do it for sure. I mean, we're uh, we're putting the information out there, and we just have to attack it when we get the time. Absolutely. And we don't want to end a show without uh, you know telling uh, real quickly here about the the uh, wonderful fund that we support. It's MambaOn3.org. M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E.org. That is uh, the fund that was set up. Uh, for these family of the survivors from you know, the terrible crash with Kobe. And uh, we always like, uh, you know, to push that because I know everybody's having tough times now with obviously dealing with this coronavirus situation and nobody knows what's next. But, you know, if you have the opportunity, they are certainly can use uh, help on that side also. But other than that, you know, again, listen to us seven days a week. Jump on where everywhere podcasts can be found. Rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe is the key thing, though. I know, you know, rating and review is important for us, but the reason I want, I tell everybody, subscribe. Hit that little bell on YouTube and subscribe, or if you're on iTunes or Spotify. This way, whenever we put the the uh, podcast up, you get an alert. And, you know, we try to keep it somewhere between like 11 in the morning and 2 in the afternoon, but we like to vary it just depending on, who's doing the show and, and, and that kind of thing. So rather than looking for it and wondering when it's coming out, just hit that alert button on any of those podcast uh, venues and, and you'll get an alert. So you'll know right when it posts. So that's what I would recommend my man. And I think with that, we're in pretty good shape. DFS coach on Twitter at DFS coach talk. And uh, one more time, my Twitter is at J O E S A R. V-A-D-I, and your Twitter? At D-F-S underscore L-A-Y-T-O-N. Fantastic. And this was Layton's first podcast with our DFS coach team. So congratulations, man. You did a fantastic job. And uh, hopefully we get to do some more together. Yeah, I appreciate it, Coach. Like I said, this is actually my first podcast ever. So, wow. Uh, yeah, it went well. And course it's uh awesome being you know next to you and you know we're we're pretty good at talking which i'm sure everybody's gonna oh, God, look yeah. at that <laughs> but mm-hmm. no like uh coach said we'd love to have you guys along and uh we have a great time over there and uh you know all the memberships are frozen so if you join it's just gonna be you know a bunch of us just in there chatting it up and sharing some lineups for these uh, simulation games and you know we'll go from there once uh once we get the announcement that sports is on its way back. Sounds great, man. Thanks again for joining me today and for everything you're doing for DFS Coach Talk. So uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of DFS Coach Talk. For my fellow NBA pros, Mike Apatria and Andrew Hansen, and for my man, Leighton Wilson, I am Coach. We'll catch you again tomorrow when we look to prepare to crush it in NBA DFS.
My favorite place is the alley. Ooh. 